Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On today's episode, Gabrielle interviews Ed Dobby, the emotions doctor. After 32 years working for the California Youth Authority as a psychologist, Ed used his knowledge to develop the emotions as a tool model. He teaches people how to strategically deploy emotions as tools to improve their lives and their relationships. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Rural People. I am your host, Gavin Mazar. And on today's episode, I have Ed Dobby, the emotions doctor. Welcome to the show today. Well, thank you for having me, Gabby. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So let's get started by why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, what exactly is the emotions doctor and what are emotions uh, according to you and you as the emotions doctor? Well, I'm retired now after some 32 years working for the California Youth Authority. And it's always interesting to me how I became the emotions doctor. Let me kind of give you a little bit of the background. When I was doing my internship in here in California to become a psychologist, I wanted to do a, a segment, if you will, with a treatment center, an alcoholic treatment center called Henry Olaf House in San Francisco. And I went to the man who ran it was my neighbor. And I asked him if I could sit in on one of his meetings. And he said, no. I said, well, why not? He said, you can't sit in, but what you can do is you can be a participant observer. And I thought, piece of cake, no problem. Here I am, I'm just about ready to get my PhD. I don't have a drug problem. I don't use drugs, don't use anything. I don't drink really. So it's no, no problem. It took these folks six months, Gabby, to realize, to make me realize they called me a non-drinking alcoholic. And what I mean by that is that they dealt or attempted to get away from their emotions by drinking and using drugs. And I got away from my emotions by going into my books. So we were both, both of us were avoiding emotions. I was just doing it differently. So I get my doctorate. And I get my first job with the California Youth Authority. And now I'm dealing with young women, all of whom have serious issues, emotional issues, abuse issues. They've committed serious crimes. And I have to try and help them understand what emotions are and how to deal with them. I had no, no language because my language was up here in academics and theirs was down here, often less than a high school education. So I developed the emotions as tools model, which I'll get into. I also had to deal with jaded correctional staff who didn't want to deal with their own emotions, let alone with the emotions of all these young women. So I had to help them understand what emotions were as well. Now they knew how to use handcuffs and they knew know how to use their batons and they knew how to use their tools, but they didn't know how to deal with emotions. That's where emotions as tools came in. So I developed your book, your book emotions as tools is your book. Emotions as tools, yeah. which I wrote once I retired. I wrote that book in order to help people understand what emotions are, because in our culture, we tend to deny our emotions. Men are, are socialized. Now, I, I just, just take a step back. I just had a visit with my two young grandkids, two young grandsons. One's one and the other is three. They are very comfortable with their emotions. But as we 
grow and we develop, men are basically socialized. You express anger as a man, I can express it, but I don't do well with anxiety or sadness. A few years ago, I went on to a LinkedIn, it was a forum and it was a woman's forum. And I asked, I said, I'm a man, what happens when you as a woman express anger? 2000 women came back and told me, <clears throat> we can't express anger because when we do, we get demeaned, we get marginalized, we get put down. <clears throat> so the display rules for women in anger are very different. So I wrote the, the book, Beyond Anger Management, in order to help people understand men and women, what anger is and how to use it. My goal is to help people, men and women, reclaim their emotions. So here's how it works. <clears throat> we are born with primary emotions, five of them, mad, sad, glad, fear, and disgust and surprise. That we're inbred. Now, when we were cave people, we needed these emotions to help us survive because we don't have claws, we don't have sharp teeth, but we do have our emotions. And we are hardwired, and this was mentioned in that earlier interview that you had that you and I spoke about. <clears throat> We are hardwired to experience these emotions. Now we're constantly scanning our surroundings for threat. When we were cave people, all threats were survival based. And our emotions prepare us subconsciously to deal with these threats. Our emotions are, we perceive threat, we perceive the emotion, the emotion we're set up physically to react to that emotion. Now it's that emotional reaction that happens subconsciously, that gives rise to the myth that our emotions control us. They don't. Our emotions cause that initial subconscious physical reaction. Now, as we've evolved as humans, we've evolved our thinking ability, which is the cerebral cortex. That gives us the ability to look at the situation, to assess the situation, and then to make a choice on how we want to react. So when you look at the emotional mastery cycle, the first is to become aware that you're experiencing an emotion. The second part of that is to take to create safety. Now, this is real important in terms of dealing with emotions. And what I mean by create safety is to take a deep breath and that lowers your emotional arousal. And then to take a step back from the situation that creates physical safety if you're in a situation where you're dealing with somebody else or whatever it happens to be. The third step is to assess what's going on. What am I feeling? How does what I'm feeling match my situation? Are there other things going on that maybe I'm not seeing? So is there a misinterpretation here? And then the fourth step is to choose a response. Now, when you master your emotions as strategic tools, it empowers you to do several things. First of all, it empowers you to control your situation. You're not controlling your emotion, you're using the emotion. It enables you to deal more effectively with other people. And if you will, in, in terms of, of physical health, you can avoid going into things like catastrophizing or acting out inappropriately with your anger. You are now controlling your situation but using your emotions to inform you of how you perceive what's going on and gives you the opportunity then to make a decision 
on how you want to most effectively deal with that situation. So what is the difference between mastering your emotions and controlling your emotions? Good question. <clears throat> the only part where controlling your emotion comes in is where you control your physical reaction. You take a deep breath and you take a step back. When you try and control your emotion, what you're trying to do is you're trying to repress that emotion, push it down, not feel it. And that never works. I mean, it works for a minute or two, but right. the, emotion, the emotion comes back. When you master your emotion, you are using that emotion to improve your own life and your relationships with other people. So what you're saying here is, let's take a different example. Let's take a look at your cell phone. Now, maybe you're real good with your cell phone. I, I'm not. Um, I'm still I don't think most much, people are. I'm still I mean, people much, are good with cell phones, but they exactly. use them way too much. <laughs> right. But it's a, it's a tool, Gabby. And if you think of it as a tool, then you master the parts of that tool that you need to use. I'm very good at using my cell phone to take verbal memos. So I taught when I get an idea for a new blog post or whatever, I speak it into my phone if I'm wherever I happen to be, and then I can recapture it. Mm -hmm. I can make phone calls. So I'm using that as a tool. Okay. When you master your emotions as tools, now you're not trying to control it. You're experiencing it. <clears throat> it's not controlling you, if you will, which is also a myth. But the idea here is it's giving you information. <clears throat> Excuse me. Your emotion is giving you information and you're using that information to interact more effectively with your environment. That's the difference between control, which is putting down that emotion and mastering it and using the information. And that's all emotions, by the way. The, there's another myth out there that there are good and bad emotions. There are not. When we try and take what we call a bad emotion, such as anger, and it's called bad, by the way, because people tend to act out and do negative things when they get angry. Sadness is considered a bad emotion. It isn't. And I'll tell you why in a minute here. So there are no good or bad emotions. They're all adaptive. Now, there are positive emotions in the sense that they feel good, and there are negative emotions in that they feel bad. The challenge with labeling emotion as negative, it, it implies we want to get rid of it. <clears throat> we don't. <clears throat> if you've lost something, whether it's a person or whatever it happens to be, you're going to feel sad. <clears throat> in the case of, of losing a family member or a pet, your sadness now, I'm <clears throat> sorry, I got a little bit of congestion here. <clears throat> your sadness informs you, you need to take a step back. You need to allow yourself to grieve. And once you've done that, then you can begin to move forward again. Sadness is an important emotion. Let's take a look at anger. I mentioned earlier about women in anger. Now, if you as a woman understand that your anger is always valid, doesn't mean it's always appropriate, but it's always valid, then you can say, okay, what is it that I'm angry about? And what do I need to do about it? Because the message of anger is I perceive a threat. Now, my suggestion to these women on LinkedIn was to take that anger and use the energy of that anger to motivate you to make a plan. You can't, you may not be able to express your anger directly as anger, but you can take that anger, keep it inside, and use the energy 
to develop a plan to then deal with the, the threat. So that's how you master your anger as a strategic tool. You don't directly express it because it may be dangerous to do that, but you can use the energy of that anger to propel you forward to make a plan of action to deal with the situation in which you find yourself. So let's go back to um, the, we discussed our, my previous pod, podcast, I'm Happy for No Reason, um, and talking about different types of anxiety that cause uh, different, um, it cause the different emotions and how we can use that as a tool. Can you talk a little bit more about that and, and why that, why they're different and why one is different than the other? Yes. Good question. The message of anxiety, anxiety is a future-based emotion. And the message of anxiety is there may be a threat out there and that threat may be dangerous to me or may cause me some harm. <clears throat> now, if you catastrophize with anxiety, and catastrophizing is taking a situation and projecting it into a future as if the worst possible outcome can happen <clears throat> and reacting to that worst possible outcome as if it's the only possibility. When you catastrophize, you go down a rabbit hole. Which I think a lot, most people do. I think most people catastrophize a lot of situations and, and not necessarily just one they're not just thinking of one thing. It's probably a dozen terrible things that could happen. And you're, you know, going back to how we've evolved, our minds go a lot faster now when we have our phones and social media and all of these things. So we're looking at something that makes us think 20 steps ahead. Yep. To give us that anxiety. But there are positive, positive ways to use your anxiety as well. Yes. And here's how you deal with that. When you experience anxiety, however you experience it, for me, I experience it as a churning in my stomach. When I feel anxiety and I recognize anxiety, what I do is what I recommend for all emotions. And you need to practice this because it's just developing a skill. And as, as you know, if you're going to develop a skill, you have to practice it till it becomes automatic. Otherwise, it may not be there when you need it. So I take a, I take a deep breath, which lowers my emotional arousal. I take a, a physical step back from the situation. And I ask myself, what's going on here? What am I actually looking at? So if my anxiety tells me there may be a threat, I say, what's the threat? If the threat for my student happens, students happens to be an upcoming exam, what action do I need to take? I need to study. If I'm looking at an interview, an upcoming interview for a job, for example, and I'm nervous about how I'm going to present myself, I need to prepare myself as much as I can. So when I do that now, I'm using anxiety as eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. Anxiety as distress, D-I-S-S-T-R-E-S-S, is what you talked about earlier. That's catastrophizing. It's not taking action because I'm worried about what might happen. Can I get it? Can I, how am I going to do? And I get into all these what ifs. Mm -hmm. Now, once you take the proper steps that you can, now you experience the flip side of anxiety. And the flip side of anxiety is anticipation. Anticipation is a future-based emotion, the message of which is there's an upcoming event, 
And it, there's a real good chance I'm going to do well in that event. So if I have prepared myself for the interview, now I'm looking forward to that interview because I'm ready. It's like, bring it on. So that's how you use your anxiety as a strategic tool. You identify the emotion and it's informing you of a possible future event. You look at the event. You say, what do I need to do to prepare for that event? You prepare for that event, and now you move into anticipation and you're looking forward to it. It doesn't mean you're not nervous. You may still be a little nervous, but you're approaching the event differently. So you worked with uh, incarcerated women for how many years? 30 years. 30, 30 years. years. And that led you, when you retired, to write your books. What exactly did you experience with these women and what you saw working with them that led you to to find things that you needed to kind of shed a light on with emotions in retirement that you felt were important? Okay. When I first started working at the Youth Authority, I had five young women on my caseload all of whom had killed their children. I was totally unprepared for that. I never came across that in graduate school. There were no courses that said, how do you deal with these kinds of issues? So now I'm being faced with these young women and what they're, they're, they're depressed, they're suicidal, they're angry, they're acting out, and they have absolutely no clue how to deal with these kinds of feelings. The first thing I needed to do was to help them understand that while what they did was monstrous, they themselves were not monsters. Now your viewers may be tempted to say, well, wait a minute, how can you say they weren't monsters? And without going into a whole lot of detail in every situation, what they did was a result of the situations in which they found themselves and in which they were living and their own abuse. Now I'm not justifying the behavior, I never justified the behavior. What they did was absolutely wrong. But what I needed to help them understand was that what they were feeling, whether it was the anxiety, whether it was the depression, whether it was feeling suicidal, all of those emotions were valid emotions. They needed to understand what those emotions were. They needed to understand that, yes, it was okay to be angry about how they were treated. They needed to understand that, yes, it was okay that they were feeling sad and feeling depressed, but it wasn't okay to stay there. And when they understood what emotions were as tools, now they could then use that information to begin to grow and move beyond where they were psychologically. And it was very, very powerful. And so then that is what set up the whole thing, the whole idea of emotions as tools, which led me to write the book once I retired, because I found that there's just one of the deficits of our culture, and, and we do a lot of good things in our culture, but one of the things we totally miss, we don't teach people what emotions are and how to deal with them. Yeah. So then we leave people vulnerable to their emotions and the emotions of others, by the way. Because I wrote a blog post, what do you do when somebody directs their anger at you? And we're just, we don't learn how to do that. So not only do we need to manage our own emotions or master, but we need to learn how to master the emotions of others as well, because how, how people interact with us affects us. So if we're not prepared for that, 
we then may take on the emotions of others and blame ourselves. LinkedIn just asked me to respond to a, a question. How do you get beyond dealing with a toxic boss? And when you have a toxic boss, that toxicity tends to infect you. And the way to get past that was what I was writing was to use forgiveness, which you may think is kind of strange. Why do I want to forgive somebody who's abusing me? But let me explain. Forgiveness is a, a, a process. Forgiveness doesn't mean that I let you off the hook. And this is something else that I needed to explain to my young women. They needed to forgive their abusers. They needed to forgive their rapists. And they said to me, well, Dr. Dobby, I'm not going to forgive him because he did bad things to me. And I said, you're absolutely right. But forgiveness is not for him. It's for you. Right. When you forgive somebody, what you're saying is, I'm done with you. I'm cutting all emotional ties with you. I am freeing myself to move past you. So what I was suggesting to toxic bosses is forgive them so that they can no longer emotionally impact you. And I also said, and, and this probably is going to be somewhat controversial, they needed to forgive themselves. I said, well, why? Well, when you forgive yourself, you're not forgiving yourself for doing anything wrong. You're forgiving yourself for getting involved with this person. So what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I'm done. I'm relieving myself of responsibility, if you will, of having gotten involved with this person, the toxic boss, the rapist, whatever it happens to be. And when you do that, same process, you now allow yourself, give yourself permission to grow and move on. Uh, you know, it's interesting because you said something about uh, before we talked about toxic bosses and about someone treating you treating you poorly but just just a toxic boss in general too but when someone is taking out their anger on you or taking out their emotions on you it's not you it's nope. them it is their emotion that they are putting onto you you are just the target you just happen to be so it's not necessarily something you did or or you making them mad or you doing anything wrong at all it's them and what they are battling with so when you forgive them it's your reaction to whatever they are doing that allows you to be free of your emotions yes. in that situation. Yes. And I recently have been having this kind of issue with myself because I've been letting some things get make me really, really upset. And I had this conversation with my dad. And I said, Dad, I'm just tired of being mad. I'm tired of being mad about this. And he said, it's your own fault. It's your fault you're mad. You, you know, you're the one that you're, is allowing yourself to be upset about this because they're going to do whatever they're going to do, but you can, you want to be mad about it because you're continuing to hold on to something that's making you upset, but you're reacting this way. It's your reaction. And he's right. It's my reaction that's allowing me to become inflammatory. I mean, not that I like, no you right. know but in it within myself and that's not me at all i am not i i'm very you know i let a lot of things go and i i don't i 
do very much try to master my emotions because I do understand that whatever's going on with people around me, it's not whatever I did to them. Maybe it is sometimes, but majority of the time it's whatever's going on in somebody else's life that's that's causing them to be upset about something. And whatever the situation is, I'm allowing it to get to me and I'm allowing myself to react in a way that I don't like. Yes. But let me let me interject here. The first step, Gabby, as I would say, is take a look at your anger and ask yourself, what is the threat to which I'm reacting? Because there may indeed be a real threat, whatever that threat happens to be. Um, somebody has has taken advantage of you. Somebody has whatever it happens to be. Sure. Once you once you acknowledge the threat, now you can say, how do I want to deal with that threat? And it may be that you want to get rid of your anger or you want to use your anger. Right. Now, I also write about what I, what I call the basic relationship rule. And when you're in a relationship with somebody, sometimes you want, still want them in your life, but you don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. So the basic relationship rule says all of us in every situation do the best we can, not the best possible, but the best we can given two things. The first is their model of the world. And the second is their skill sets. Now, if we understand that, we then can look at the behavior that the person is manifesting towards us and say, what is the model of the world? How do they see me? How do they see our situation? Because maybe their, their inappropriate behavior is being elicited by a misperception of their interactions with you. Mm -hmm. Again, doesn't justify it, but right. it helps them understand it. But if the model's correct, then maybe their skills is there's a skill set deficit. So let's say, for example, that that they're angry at you, and they're angry at you because of something that they think that you've done, but they don't know how to say to you, Gabby, I'm angry at you because you did such and such. They lack that skill set. Now, if you know that, you then can come back and say, I understand that you're angry with me. What is it that I may have done that led you to see me this way? So what you're doing now is you're compensating for and teaching them how to interact with you. So if you understand, you look at a person's model. Now, you don't have to do this with everybody. Right. You do this with the people that are important to you. If it's a toxic boss, you may have to do it with them. I don't know. If I'm the boss, like, so I can't fire myself. Exactly. I could have this conversation boss. with myself. <laughs> right. But, but it, gives, it gives you a way to approach the situation. <laughs> now, what you've done there is you've used your anger as a strategic tool to inform you of how you perceive the situation with the other person. You've now used what I call the basic relationship rule. It's probably a, not a correct name for it, but it's the best I've got at this point to look at their model of the world and their skill sets. And now you're in a position to choose what intervention you want to use to correct the situation in which you find yourself. That's how it all fits together. Right. So you have your two books, Emotions as Tools, and then you have Beyond Anger Management. Um, we touched a little bit on Emotions as Tools. Can you tell us a little bit more about Beyond Anger Management and what that book is about? Yes. This is Emotions as Tools, by the way. Okay available on Amazon, and this is Beyond Anger Management. Okay. Now, here's what happened with that book. I retired, wrote my first book, 
And several years later, I began to, to, to read about people dealing with anger and that they went through anger management programs and they didn't work. In fact, I have a, uh, the son of a cousin of mine, I'm not quite sure what you'd call him, but um, he has had problems with anger most of his adult life. And he went through anger management programs and they didn't work. And the reason that they don't work is because what you find in anger management is they're telling you to control your anger. They're not telling you to use your anger. And so I wrote Beyond Anger Management, Master Your Anger as a Strategic Tool. And the idea here was the same thing. Sometimes anger is appropriate. Now, you may act out on it differently. And sometimes your anger isn't valid for whatever happens to be. It's sometimes called a secondary emotion. And this is another myth, by the way, because anger, writers tend to define anger as always a secondary emotion. It's not. Sometimes anger is very appropriate. But for men, we tend to, if we feel sad or anxious or an emotion that we don't feel comfortable with, then we act out in, in anger. Aggressively. And I, right, and aggressively. And I saw articles where you would see celebrities saying, well, you know, if she hadn't done such and such, I wouldn't have beat her up, which is garbage. Right. Exactly. So I wrote my Beyond Anger Management because I wanted then people to reclaim their anger and to be able to use it when it was appropriate but not use it as an excuse in order to justify their bad behavior. Yeah, we just, I mean, we saw that recently. What, what was it? The Golden Globes with Will Smith. And Chris with Will Rock. Smith. That's <laughs> Which, exactly correct. Yeah, absolutely. Not the way to uh, nope. use your anger in any way, shape or form. But no, he, he, he may have been very appropriate to be angry. I'm still not clear on that, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he was. Sure. To right. be angry, yes. But, but not to act how he expressed it. Yes. That's right. exactly correct. Absolutely. So uh, your website is the emotions doctor spelled out doctor. Yeah, T-H-E-E-M-O-T-I-O-N-S-D-O-C-T-O-R. Yes. Okay. Dot com. And then your books, uh, you can get to your books on um, from your website also, but uh, you can find them on Amazon, the Emo Emotions as Tools and Beyond Anger Management. Um, is there anything else you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yes, I would. I would really appreciate it if you went and bought my books, but that is not my critical <laughs> focus here. Okay. And, and let, let me say why. My blog has a great deal of information information on it. And the best way to access that blog, and it's free, by the way, is to go to the website. And on the home page, on the upper left-hand corner, there is an index tab. When you tap, click on the index tab, it, you get, it pulls down, and you now have access by category to all of my posts. You click on the category, it will take you to all the posts in that category, let's say on anger, and you can one-click access directly to that post. I would direct your, your viewers to my blog. Um, there's a ton of useful information there. If you want to know about any emotion, go there, educate yourself, and you'll get the information in most cases for what you need. Yeah, and let people know that emotions are okay. It's okay to exactly. feel emotions. It's okay to have them and to express them and to use them but not to use them in a negative way. We want That's to try exactly. and use them for positive and use them in, in the way they were meant to be used, not 
to cause us or other people harm. Right. To simply use your emotions as tools to inform you of how you are perceiving your environment and to give you the opportunity to assess whether or not you've perceived it correctly. Because sometimes you may, you may be mistaken. Yeah. You may misperceive what someone says to you. So once you then acknowledge the information your emotions are providing for you, you can then choose how you want to respond. And when you make that choice, you are now empowered to both take back control of your life and to impact your relationships more effectively. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ed, for coming on the show. Um, you can find, uh, you'll find his website and his links to the books in the show notes, uh, theemotionsdoctor.com. We really appreciate all of your information today, Ed. Thanks, Gabby. I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. If you would like more information on today's episode, you can find it in the show notes and on Gabrielle's website at www.destinationfitcations.com. Visit to keep an eye out for upcoming fitcations. Be sure to share the show, give this podcast a review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Join us next week to hear more stories from people just like you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People with Gabrielle Mazar.